us know this. Similar to the ninth story, the hop-to-doodle is meant for people who not only have an adult sense of humor, but they have to be really keenly intent on listening to every fucking word. If you're not all in, then don't fucking listen. Period. This is Our the wives won't even listen to this. That's right. They don't listen anyway. They're sure <laughs> as hell not listening to this. Man, I tell you what, let's do this right now. Let's just say. Oh, we got a little bit of a bad connection here, don't we? Um... Um, ooh, static is sound. Let me just say. You were a dumpster! Fidget blur! The moon was suspending your no fucking detention! Oh god, I'm not let on you actually read some of this shit some of this stuff like when i read sweet thursday yeah i'll tell you what when i read it he was a fan of steinbeck which was awesome that was good he got that this is our post-mortem of our interview with not to be confused with post-mortem press no not a sponsor of the show no no a yet to be a maybe one of these days we we sponsor them they sponsor sponsor them sure yeah we just finished interviewing John Russo. We're bathing in the afterglow. We are. If it's, I smoked a cigarette, I would I would have smoked it already. <laughs> it's like the cuddle afterwards. It really is. We're spooning right now. Yeah, exactly. We he, are. He was awesome. That that was fantastic. Now, yeah. Dan, you've had. Oh, oh, let's let us let us run the gamut. You've had a lot of fantastic guests. We on have. Show. have. We had uh, Jessica I mean, McHugh. Jessica McHugh. We had Nelson W. Piles. Nelson W. Piles. Not to be confused with Denver Pile or <laughs> Gomer Pile. Right. Right. Not He's neither one of them. Rich Bottles Jr. Rich Bottles Jr. David Fairhead. Dr. John Towers. Uh, David Nassau. Uh, uh, David you know. Nassau. I meant to mention David Nassau to him and it never came up. Well, you, you made allusions. But he had kind of the same theory about why we tell stories. He, he did. He, 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 if, if the two of them were in a room together. Yeah. I mean, it, was, it wasn't a, a verbatim quote. But he basically said the same thing. That yeah, Nassau much said. to the delight of our listeners. I yes. think if Nassau and Russo Can you were hear in the, the air same conditioner, room, folks, uh, you and I, yeah, would, you're gonna have to deal with it. You and I would never have to talk. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You know, if we put Nassau and Russo together, Fordick <laughs> and Weber would be out of the equation. <laughs> I think people would ahead. rejoice everywhere. Probably, uh, yay, yay. There was, much, was rejoicing. much rejoicing. Yes. That guy, that was a master's class in storytelling. Yes, right there. you could tell just by the way that he talked and he was just locked on to mm-hmm. talking about stories and storytelling. That's a guy that loves his craft. That's a guy who Absolutely. loves what he does. Absolutely. And to your point, I mean, he was, he was laser locked on stuff like, you know what? I don't care about that stuff. I don't, I don't worry about who's inspiring my work. I don't pay attention to that type of stuff. I do what I do. I'm good at what I do. I'm locked in on it. I write, this is what I do. It's, it was fantastic. Very inspirational. So when your when your bladder called to you, he was talking about Dean Koontz and yes. Stephen King. Yes, yes, which was insightful and, and interesting. I could tell he was a fan of Koontz. I could tell he was a fan of King. I, I think that was telling. I don't want to put thoughts into his head or you know give speech to his words. One of the things I, I learned from him tonight, which is paramount to all storytelling, it's like you got to have a theme. That's the biggest thing he said tonight. Right. And, and I think, everything that we talked about, that's what I took as yeah, a writer from have, have a theme our conversation. And, and, and write your characters around that. But hey, Hemingway didn't always write the same way. Steinbeck didn't always write the same way. We kind of talked a little bit about the, yeah. the imagery and the use of language. And he, it sounds like he's one of those guys that's like, yeah, as needed. 
Yeah. And here's how you do it. Don't don't get caught up in that. And I and I can imagine when you're somebody like John Russo who has been writing for more than fifty years at this point, um, longer than I've been alive. Right, he's probably looking at somebody like King and Koontz and a lot of other people and like, okay, well, you're not doing anything different. It is the same theme at this point. It is the same characters. Wrap all the flowery language around it that you want. You just told me the same story, and it's good, but I already read it. Yeah. You know, exactly. and, and, and I think he, again, from spending two and a half hours with the gentleman, I, I look at it like two and a he, half hours. He looks at it that, like that I've, guy just I, gave I, us I, two I, and a half hours of his life. That's yeah, awesome. He looks at it like, no, I, I told that story already. I have a different story to tell and I want to tell it through this lens. He approaches it differently, which is awesome. It's awesome. And that's why I was asking the questions towards the end about, do you still have stories left to tell? And he was like, yeah, absolutely, because I still have fun doing it. That was yeah. that was fantastic. He said he doesn't watch horror movies. He doesn't watch zombie movies because he doesn't want to be influenced by it. He doesn't want anybody yeah. to say, well, that was kind of my idea. Right. I respect that, and I like that. I mean, he still fills the well, as we talk about, by reading this and that, watching this and that, but... He doesn't necessarily seek out that genre. I, I love that. I, you know, the pseudo legal side in me was thinking early on when he he was making a comment. I I was like, wow, that's it, it's he's he's created plausible deniability for himself. <laughs> like, right. and, and you know, because he kind of said, and I can't remember the context where he was like, no, I never watched that. Right, and I didn't. And he, but he acknowledges he's like, and I won't watch it because I don't ever want anybody to come back to me and say, yeah, that my work was inspired by this. Which is great. I it, love it. It is great. It, it's it's a little bit sad in a way, though, too, isn't it? It is. Because he created this this whole genre. Yeah, yeah. And he doesn't get to see his grandchildren, essentially. It's like all the things that have come from like Walking Dead. I know from and, and, the Fairhead show, and, and you know, he's never watched Walking right, Dead. And I he didn't, won't. And I didn't know that. I haven't listened to, the, to, to Fairhead show to know if they talked about that or not. But I, I purposely didn't ask him about that. You know, yeah. like before. Yeah, well, that's why that's why yeah. I didn't. Too. And, and we didn't ask him about a lot of stuff because. I, I did I, like your question about, did anybody in the movie ever say the word zombie? Yeah. Well, I wanted to, I wanted to focus on Because they don't that. do that in Walking Dead either, if you've they noticed. Do, they no don't. one has ever called them a zombie. That's right. Have that's you played right. the video game? It's, it's, no, I have not. You should, but, I, you but, I, but I'm focusing on the fact that it's, and he really, that was a question I had written down, but he really led me there with the thing about when he was talking about George Romero about <laughs> they were funny. vampires or they're the undead. And that's why I was like, yeah, it's really the, the undead. Yes. That was the focus. Yes. There no zombies didn't become part of popular culture until you and George Romero made them. Yes. And that's why it's it's really kudos to him to say you guys created this. Everything in the zombie genre, the zombie story arc that all has come in the wake of what you guys did, and you guys deserve to be commended for that. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, you want to go out and say you guys never even used the word zombie, and that's. I think I it's called them ghouls. Yeah, I think it's. I think that's genius. Like, yeah. we never said it. The yeah. word, in like what you and I talked about in a previous episode, Michael Myers' name isn't mentioned in the first Halloween. Right. He's I'm not. Called, I'm not putting the two on the same plane. Yeah. But there's a lot of. Well, he was a fan of Carpenters. He mentioned he, he, Carpenter. Well, yeah. I love the fact that he knows John Carpenter. Yeah. That was he, awesome. he, he, met, he met him. Yeah, he was like, yeah, I've talked with John. You know, and we talked about this and this, and yeah, we've See, done this. That's why I asked him a couple questions about like, who have you met and who have you not met and who would you like to meet? And it, to me, it's cool that somebody of that caliber is like, well, you know, I really wanted to meet Frank Sinatra and I never got the opportunity. 
Yeah. And, and the fact that, you know, he met Tarantino and Tarantino, I know from reading stuff from Tarantino that he fawned over John. He's like, hey, I had this idea for a movie and I never finished it until I read your book. Yeah, that's and that's and why I think the two of them are the perfect marriage. It's like, why would Tarantino not want to work with his idol? No, I, 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 yeah. if I can fucking get a hold of him, I'm going to do it. That only seems to make sense that, that, that I'm going to, I'm going to make some phone calls tomorrow. That there should be very similar to the director's chair or the director's type chair that I think was on the set of Get Shorty yeah. that Tarantino had when Elmore Leonard was on set, you know, giving creative advice. There needs to be a chair there for John Russo when Quentin Tarantino makes Dealey Plaza. Yeah, there definitely yeah. does. Yeah. Uh, that'd be, that'd be awesome. That'd I mean, be awesome. And Dan, damn it. Make that'd be that like happen. someone coming to me or you and going, um, you know hey, would need? you like to work with Neil Gaiman at all? You know who needs to finance this project? Who? I think you know. The Ninth Story Podcast? No. Quentin Tarantino? Uh, dead. <laughs> the Demon? Let me. You know, you know what I want to do? I want to finance this Quentin Tarantino and John Kiss, Russo project. Kiss meets Dealey Plaza. Well, he's friends with Guar. They got some money. I love that that he knows. He, Guar. He's just like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm friends with them. He knows the he knows the guys in. It was so Guar. nonchalant. It was, and it was like, hey, I'm yeah, with Guar. he's like in. He's. Uh, I love that, and I and we'll have to go back and check this out. But I'm pretty sure he was like, yeah, I know so and so. He's the drummer slash CEO. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we'll of to like, go back and check the records of Guar Corporation, which yeah. it, which very it, it's it's tremendous. But he's kind of like, yeah, kiss, you know, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I love that. That's I mean, John's kind of the whole. Yeah, I've I, heard that before. But I like people I, who I'm are with, right. I'm, yeah. I, I like people who are true to their fans and true to what it is that they're doing. I didn't waste my time with Paul and Gene Simmons because um, I, I was with Guar. And well, they're kiss on steroids. Right. So and I can imagine hell? that Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley would probably, unfortunately, treat John Russo like, who are you? Yeah. yeah. And that's probably. what sucks. Yeah. I probably. mean, where the guys in Guar are like, oh, this is awesome. We're partying with the guy who wrote. When you listen to, when you listen to Fairhead's episode, listen to this specifically for the story about Jefferson Airplane. I'm not going to give it away because I want you to listen to it. But Jefferson Airplane enters into the equation. And and John's disappointment that they were so broke that they couldn't take advantage of the opportunity that was handed to them. That which version of Jefferson Airplane? I don't know. Let's we'll see. Right see. right after right after uh, Night of the Living Dead is this so early seventies late sixties was Grace Slick still in the band? Probably. Paul Kantner was still in the band. Jarma Kalkinen was still in the band. I would assume. See, I'm, I'm blowing your mind with these names. I have. This I'm is, not a music guy. This is prior other to, than listening to it. This is prior to them becoming Jefferson Starship when they got <laughs> Mickey Thomas in the band. Okay, folks, here goes the air conditioner. We'll turn it off. <laughs> That's all right. I'm done. <sighs> I, I'm, I'm not going to talk about the airplane anymore. <sighs> no, I just I, I, I'm I'm finally. It got hot in here, man. That's because it was, you know, it was, this is the this is the this is the hoop to doodle. So what the, the studio hell? was hot. It was hot. It was, it was John hot. Russo was putting off heat. He was he was laying it down. He was burning the joint up, man. That guy was awesome. He was fantastic. <laughs> so I can say we interviewed John Russo now. I do love the fact that he immediately set you straight on the fact that he doesn't drink Evan Williams and he doesn't. Know where he got that from. <laughs> I don't like Evan Williams. Yeah, that's an issue that He's you, like, you, yeah. you and He's Fairhead like, need to take that up with one another. Dave's hey, good. Dave Fairhead. Dave, Dave's a good guy. There's a bottle of Evan Williams waiting for you here. Well, as he mentioned, it was probably his buddy that he brought with him that was the crooner 
that actually liked the Evan Williams. Well, it could but be. you know what? I, I I enjoyed it. It was it was good booze. It looks a lot like Jack Daniels from a distance. It does. If you squint and you turn your head to the right, it looks like Jack Daniels. I, I liked it. So whatever, I enjoyed drinking it. I'll drink the rest of it. I have no problem with that. I think if we learned anything tonight from our discussion with Russo, that's all that matters. That he doesn't like like Evan Williams? No. If you like it, that's all that matters. If you get enjoyment out of it, that's what's key. So who gives a shit? So explain the hoop. Explain the- uh, The hop to doodle The hop to Yeah, I keep saying hoop to doodle Explain the hop to doodle What about it? Well, explain it to the listeners. The hop to doodle Because I'm going to go get a beer. The hop to doodle for for the great unwashed. I'm just kidding. The hop to doodle is a term. It's a term that was unveiled upon Mr. Foytick and I from our good friend, the departed Elmore Leonard, who, if he was still alive, he would he would he would tell you that he was an avid listener of the show. Um, anyway, the hop to doodle. He gets it live. Is right a term. That's right. We stream it to him. Live, live, uh, live, and unedited. He hears it before you do. He Damn hears it as it occurs because he's in the room with us. He he has uh, he has achieved while we leave Victoria three right. doors down in the other room, and right. she can't get in here. He's transcended. He is allowed in the room. Speaking of transcended, what Sorry, happened? With, what happened with that movie? What transcendence? Yeah, the Johnny Depp. Uh, I want to go see it. Did you see it? I'm just saying, it, when it, when a movie is advertised that much, and then all of a sudden it's not advertised anymore, that generally means it. There was a, a I'm huge, gonna, I'm a gonna huge go see it. Thud when it hit the box office. That I'm doesn't mean anything. I'm just saying. I'm still gonna go see it anyway. The hop to doodle is basically a term used, created by John Steinbeck, and basically given credence to the novel Sweet Thursday, which was a John Steinbeck novel. Yes. And the hop to doodle refers to those chapters in a book or those pages in a book. And everybody who's ever picked up a book and began thumbing through pages knows exactly what I'm talking about. It's that page you look at where it just is words, 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 words. Yes. No dialogue, nothing setting the action in motion. It's just description, imagery. Not that it's a bad thing. It's what the author likes. It's what the author likes. And sometimes, you know, as Dan can attest to, as I can attest to, as a lot of our author friends, Jessica, Nelson, John, David, Rich Bottles, all of those folks, sometimes the writer just feels compelled to portray imagery. They and they just go on and on and on and on and doesn't get anywhere. That's what the hop to doodle is. It's it's a guilty pleasure. It's an indulgence that the author jumps into himself or herself. Um, as Steinbeck acknowledged and as Elmore Leonard acknowledges, um, you don't have to read those. They don't necessarily contribute to the story or move the story along. It's backstory. The way Dan and I once uh, discussed this off air is that it's the deleted scenes. Yes. If you're watching a DVD, it's the backstory. It's the. It's for the super fans. It's the narrator who, you know, if you're watching a DVD and there's commentary by the director, the screenwriter, actors, whatnot, it's the, hey, here's what was going on behind the scenes. It's additional information and it's color. That's it. It's, it's helpful, but the chapters can be completely skipped over. 
and Steinbeck was notorious for this. He would he would write chapters that involved action and dialogue and in in scenery, and then he would write these chapters that were really just descriptive and imagery chapters. And and that's it. That's that's the the legend of the Hoptadoodle. And that's Did what I, this is. Yes, yes, that's right. This is us wanting to put out some additional content for those that want it. Uh, it's not for everybody. But you get more Craig. Similar to the ninth story, but unlike the ninth story, <laughs> in this way, the hop-to-doodle is meant for people who not only have an adult sense of humor, but they have to be really keenly intent on listening to every fucking word that, that comes out say. of Dan's mouth and Craig's mouth, etc. <laughs> and if you aren't, if you're not all in, then don't fucking listen. Yeah. Period. This is Our the wives won't even listen to this. That's right. They don't listen anyway. They're sure <laughs> as hell not listening to this. Damn straight. This is for like two people. I'll be able to tell. I can tell how many people download and where they're from. I pull my Will Graham out. Uh, I can tell. I can tell who, who downloaded everything. Dan. I know. This I is wa- my design. Right. I walk into a room and I download iTunes. I know Hannibal. at that point exactly who did what. So let's talk about Will Graham. Is this all a setup? Because in the last scene, hey, if you're listening to this, you're listening to this because you want to listen to this. So I'm going to spoil Hannibal for you. Ready? Here it comes. So in the last scene of the last episode, they're eating a person. Know this. This this is long pig. So Will's eating, obviously. Nakachaka. Yeah. Nakachoka. They're eating, um, what's her name? Um, the one that was a dude in, in, in Red Dragon. Um Freddie Lowndes. Yeah, Freddie yeah. Lowndes. Yeah. Are they? I don't know, but Hannibal, Hannibal seems to s- certainly think that it's a person. That's great I, dialogue, though. I think, I actually they, I think a, they, are, they must be eating a person, whether it's her or not. They is, are. But but here's the thing. It's funny that you say that. My mother and I, who, you know, my mother's an avid listener of the show, and my mom's been a huge creative influence in my life and has always encouraged me to do creative things. And she's the one who introduced me to Thomas Harris back in... <laughs> inadvertently. Like, inadvertently, back in the <laughs> early 80s. When you uh, were like 12. Yeah, when I was an impressionable young lad. That's a and, rough book for a 12-year-old. I just finished it. It's, another, it's a rough book for a 40. I believe in the tooth fairy. Right. So she, she and I were talking on Sunday um, and she, she made a comment to me about the conversation between Will and Hannibal about that. She oh, was so like, she watches. Oh yeah, 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 okay. yeah. And, awesome. and, and she was talking awesome. about the, the discussion about the, this animal was killed in a state of fear. And, and she had had that conversation with my father years ago. And and we were trying to remember because my dad's a hunter, I'm a hunter. You know this. My mother, my mother was a hunter. You know that's when, you're when, a hunter when you come from the part, neck of the woods where we come from. I every, didn't know you go hunting. Everybody brandishes a weapon. Everybody kills something. Yeah, um, is it delicious? Well, that was the thing. And there's actually there's a lot of truth to what that dialogue is about if you if if you kill an animal in the state of fear like when they're running and they've been spooked for lack of a better word the meat is accurate it's bitter really? because yeah you kill them in that state yeah. if they're just re- if they're just standing there and they have no idea and you just happen across you them just pop and you off shoot Bam- them Bambi's mom the meat tastes entirely different it's that is 100% true 100% true and and my mother had that conversation with my dad and I remember that from 30 years ago 
And we were trying to remember if she said that on her own or if she said that because she was informed by the fact that she had read Red Dragon, because I'm pretty sure it's in there. I think there I don't is think some that's in Red Dragon. No, I, I just I just finished it okay. on Audible. So you so, so you so remember fresh it. in my mind. Yeah. And that that line does not occur in there. Um but it, it very it's, it's at some point then in, in in the thing is remember my mom's read all the books as have I we often would trade it's them. probably in something it's somewhere because uh, as we've learned the Hannibal series is now borrowing from Silence of the Lambs Hannibal and Hannibal Rising yes. it's taken it's from pro- all I think it's the from books. Hannibal if it's, I had to guess it, it, it probably is because obviously they've if Nazis now, kill your sister they've well that's you Hannibal can eat anybody you want that's Hannibal Rising yes. But they've now gotten into the Margot and Mason Verger characters, which are Hannibal. So, therefore, it could be from that book. So, so, so is it all set up or is Will actually becoming a serial killer? I hope not. I, I mean, I hope I, it's a setup. I, I, I mean, like you, like you and I talked about the, I hope the great reveal on this is that it is a setup that Will Graham is smarter than Lecter and that's how he catches him. I hope that's the thing because they've already blown. 99% of the story about how Will Graham caught Lecter to yeah. begin with. They've, they've blown that apart. And they do kind of um, allude okay to it, it where Will's like, no, you don't understand what's really going on here. I, I would the love the fact that if this is all out an elaborate ruse on behalf of Will Graham, and at the end, we the lesson that we all learn is that good triumphs over evil, and Will was smarter than Lecter, despite the fact that Lecter thought he was smarter than everybody. I think Jack's I hope, in on I it. I hope that's the way it goes, but who knows? I mean, what is it, three episodes left until, I don't yeah. know, three episodes left until next season, if there is one. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to I mean, he it. obviously killed... Uh, what's his name? The, the guy that was wanted to be an animal. Yes. Yes. And he obviously Randall, dissected whatever Randall's yeah. name was. He obviously dissected him and created that tableau. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, it was pretty cool. And I'm wondering in this universe, in that universe, does the FBI allow you to take this guy that broke into your house and you killed in self defense and then dissect him and turn him into a display piece? Just to get Hannibal. That's a great question. It's unorthodox. The Federal Bureau of Investigation has broad encompassing powers because they're not, in fact, a police body. They're an investigative body only. So I don't know how the Constitution spills over to them. I would still think that, in in fact or fiction, tampering with a corpse is going to be a crime regardless. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. You would think. (laughs) I mean, you and I know a We're not mentioning any names. That's exactly right. Whatsoever. That's right. That's right. So change the subject. Yeah. Maybe we'll just edit this piece out. <laughs> you should either put beeps and, and or crickets around it. Do you like the crickets? I love the crickets. I actually was talking to, I, I was talking to, yeah, I guess that's right. I talked with people today and I was, I was talking at people. <laughs> I was talking at people. And I said, you got to listen to episode 24 because it's awesome and Seriously, the the sound editing that Dan did is awesome and crickets. I'm I'm just gonna say crickets. Yeah, and and you know what's funny? Again, back to super fan Nancy Weber, then my mom. She said her you know what she immediately said when I said crickets? What? Buddy Holly's crickets? 
Because <laughs> that was in your show notes. It's in my show notes. And I said, no, but it's funny you say Craig that. Craig is the author of the show notes right, for those I of said, you that uh, don't know. It's funny you say that, Mom. I said, because I actually made reference to Jiminy Cricket and Buddy Holly's crickets. Yes, and it's neither. And it's neither. It's, <laughs> they're real crickets. It's real. They were in the studio. I mean, all of the... Uh, Whatever it is that that Lori Towers did here, she didn't get the crickets out of the damn studio. It's beautiful in here, though. I gotta say, it's awesome. I mean, I I know I'm like the one that picked the colors and painted. And oh, it's along awesome with my I wife. Mean, it, it is fantastic. We Monica did. did a great job as well. She painted this portion over here. Yeah, well, she Monica, did a lot I mean, of the work. You guys work, all actually. did a great job. Although I will say this, I mean, when John Towers or not John Towers, when John Russo was here earlier, I was afraid that he was going to bang his head off of that bookshelf over here. Well, yeah. he's a little shorter than you are. Well. No, but still, see, see where my head is. From my well, I took that into consideration when I rehung the shelves. You're you're okay. You're not going to hit anything yeah. out there. He 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 was just doing this, and it was making me nervous. <laughs> not only was he, he was going right. away from the microphone, no, like no, I'm towers doing, would probably hit his head. John if he was would bang his there. head right off of that. Yeah, and that we'll, that, we'll that, pull the the chair forward and when the, towers is here. The uh, Darth Tater helmet would fall down on him, and you know, it would be funny. That would be funny. Yeah, that's a gift of uh, Melissa Stazak. It would be funny to me, anyway. Not to John. Well, John might find it funny. I'm not sure. Yeah. Melissa Stazak. Yeah. Yeah. She listened to the show? I don't know. Mike, Mike Conlon has listened to the well, show. Well, I know Mike Conlon listens to the show. Yeah, so he listens we'll, to Dr. We'll, John Towers' show. Yeah. We'll, so we'll say hi to Mike, and uh, maybe he'll share it with Melissa. I think, I think Melissa would be thrilled to know that the Darth Tater that she got you years ago yeah. has made a prominent appearance. It's in the Ninth a very Star prominent. Star. It is an incredibly prominent fixture here, right next to the, the demon. It's it's balanced by the AT-AT, the original AT-AT by Kenner. They're kind of of the same weight. Indeed, it is. As a matter of fact, that's what's right above my head, everybody. If you could visualize the studio with its bookshelves intact, Darth Tater is on one next to Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons, the demon. You know, Dan, did you know that every time you step into this studio, you, own, you owe Gene Simmons a royalty? Probably. Yeah. Just because you're in his presence. Um, and then the, uh, the bookshelf above my head has uh, an AT-AT on it. Indeed. In fact. Yeah, there's, there's pictures of you being taken right now. And then you have pharaohs, cats. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. Other Star Wars. You know what I ordered today? What? I ordered... I'll show you. Can you show the listeners? I can't, I can't show the listeners. Can but, you show but, anybody but you who... can narrate it. Anybody who is... Psst, if you're still listening, <laughs> you're a real fan. You are a you. super fan, and we love you. You should buy a t-shirt because we have them available. When we get our million dollars from episode 24, we're going to split it with each and every one of you who is still listening. Yes. Probably. Ta-da. Hey, there's Superman. It's the Kotobiyaki. Is that uh, Henry Cavill? Uh, no, it's the Kotobukiya Superman. Nakachoka? Yes. Here, you want to see his picture? There. That's going to have a prominent shelf that it's going to stand on. What is that? That's what you ordered? Yes. You want to see what else I ordered? And this one I ordered specifically for you. It's going to be in the studio, but I ordered for I you. I'm not sure I want to see this. Oh, you do. This is my design. Yes. They're going to be on the shelf together. 
Oh, that's pretty sweet. Is that Ben Affleck? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I then I don't fucking hope. want it. Well, why that's not? a that's a good looking Batman right there. Look at the cape. That cape is awesome. The cape is like twelve feet long. Look at that. What is Tell this? Tell me that's not fucking awesome. It, it's the Kotobiakia. Who do they Kotobiakia. model that after? Is that the... Uh, oh, that's clearly the George Clooney Batman. <laughs> I'm kidding. There's no nipples on that it. That is so. clearly the Val Kilmer Batman. <laughs> There's no nipples on uh, it. I'm just kidding. That is clearly the Adam West Batman. <laughs> yeah, That is clearly the Michael Keaton Batman. Look at that. That, that is clearly the... <laughs> yes. I'm that's, telling you, that's like... That's like the best Batman ever. That is possibly the best looking Batman I've ever seen. And so, these two guys. So, you're going to flank the Superman with the Batman. Yes, they're going to be on the shelf together. There's one for you and one for me. Wow. See, because I'm the Superman fan and you're the Batman fan. So, we'll have one. Hey, when we're all done wrapping up, can we, like, you know, make a fort out of the studio and just have (laughs) them fight all night and have a sleepover? You can have a sleepover anytime you want. <laughs> we'll turn the studio into a fort. Yes. And we're going to have Superman and Batman fight with one another, and then we'll... You know, when I used to sell tools to contractors... Stay up all night eating pizza and talking about girls. Yes. When I used to sell tools to contractors, they changed my name from Dan Foytek to Dan Fort. Why? Because Fort played better in some of the I states? Yes. Seriously? You know, the first item I have on special for you today is an item I know you're required to carry. Comes in on my OSHA approved number 25 first aid kits. Now, they're not those little plastic boxes full of Band-Aids. They come in 11 by 8 by 3 inch deep metal steel box with the mounting brackets already on the back. So you can mount them in the trucks or shops or wherever you have to. They have 142 separate this pieces of smelling salts, ice packs, burn items, everything right sad. down to the scissors. It's sad. Everything but the nurse. Ha ha ha. How about... I had a great price come in on my six-piece jumbo box and open-end wrench set. You know, the big wrenches. Inch How and a half, long inch ago three was this? Inches. How long ago did this happen? Because this is etched in I was brain. 19 years old. And you still remember this? Yes. That's sad. Well, you know, the guy used to put <laughs> steroids in our coffee to make us more aggressive. We didn't find that out until well after. When I went into this business, I was like At oil thin. Point, did you work for f- Cook? I did not. Did you work alongside f- I wish I had. Yeah. See, because your story is starting to line up a lot with hers. They did actually. Did anybody? Did actually find steroids in the coffee? Did they? Did they? They. That's why I'm fat. They fed you steroids and then they. Yeah. They blew. Before that, I was real thin. They blew darts into your. Yes. Here's my here's my favorite story from that time frame. I sold pissed on cords. Yeah. See, they weren't really. But here's the thing. So we would sell items to contractors. And one of the things that I sold were these 50-foot-long blue drop cords. They were cold-weather cords. They didn't get stiff in the wet, in the wintertime, so you could use them outside. And the first thing you do is you cut quantity, and then you cut quantity, and then you cut price, and then after that, you have nowhere to go. So I had, da- I had it down to three cords because they came 12 to a box, then they came six, then threes. And they come banded in threes. We're not allowed to break those bands apart. But the guy wanted two. All right, I'll tell you what I'll do. You can't tell anybody about this. But the night watchman here at the warehouse, he's a little bit crazy. He he likes to tie one on. I think he's like the nephew of the owner or something like that. I don't know what his deal is, but the guy should have been fired a long time ago. So here's what happens. On Friday nights when everybody leaves early, he ties one on. He'll go back in the corner, and I guess after drinking, he has to piss, so he'll piss on whatever's there. 
I got a whole box of these cords. I can't sell to anyone because he's pissed on them. I'll tell you what I'll do. Because I want to get my foot in the door with you, I'll go ahead and I'll ship you out those two cords. I'll still pay the freight and tax your door. I'll still put them out there to you on that 30-day open billing. So you don't have to pay me until it comes sometime around the mid part of June. But if I do that for you, I want you to do me a favor. What's that? I want you to put my name and number is going to be on the on the box, on the invoice. Kind of like a little business card. You just tear it off. You hand it to your friends. Let your buddies know whenever they're looking for power cords. Give me a call. <laughs> but I'll ship you those two cords. The guy's like, uh, go ahead and send me those pissed on cords. <laughs> that that is a spooky little tale about, yes. about the way business is done in this great country. It's like, have you ever seen the movie Boiler Room? Yeah, it it's was like, it was exactly that. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I mean, some of the lines from that movie were like, "I don't see a number on your chest." You know, the guy's like, "I'm going to pass." I don't see a number on your chest. The only people who make money at passing are quarterbacks. Yeah. That was lines that we used. Oh, so yeah. I, I guarantee you that whoever wrote whoever that movie wrote the screenplay for that what, was in, in that the situation. same business yeah. that I was absolutely. in. Absolutely. 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 It's it's interesting. But everything, as we learned earlier tonight with Mr. Russo, everything yeah. is informed by something. It is. It just is. Whether you're stealing from it or not, there's, you know, there are influences and in everything. Who is it, Picasso, that said good artists copy and great artists steal? I don't know who. I mean that 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 quote has been twisted so much through yeah. history. I don't know who the original I know he doesn't particularly to. agree with it. No, he but doesn't. That's because that's he's okay. he's a writer and, well, he, and he doesn't want people stealing right. his shit. And I understand that. He's clearly he has a different approach to it, and I agree with. I mean, it's yeah. great. It's 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 laudable his his approach. I mean, that's the old um, that's the old Aaron Sorkin take on that was that you know. Great writer, good writers borrow, great writers steal. Yes. Which is actually attributed back to the quote that you're going for. Ah. And Picasso mentions that. And it's, it's just been twisted throughout history. And the, the crux of it is that artists, what, whatever it is they do, write, paint, play music. You're inspired whatever, by something. Somebody, somebody inspired you. I mean, it doesn't, creativity doesn't happen in a fucking vacuum. Best case scenario, a good sunrise or sunset inspired you. But, but, but I think, you know, I think, I think John Russo had it best that it's like, yeah, but it's a matter of like whether you're consciously or subconsciously inspired by it. You don't, you don't know, you know, yet or unconsciously, which is where I feel a lot of my inspiration comes from. Yes. I'm just completely out of it, passed out, sleeping. Anyway. All right. What else you got? You got anything else for the hop to doodle segment this I week? I don't. Superman. Superman. That is pretty cool. Superman. That's a fucking awesome Superman. See? There it is. In the gutter. I said it's pretty cool. You yeah. Gotta, I said it's fucking awesome. You get, you get an F-bomb me. It'll be here Saturday. Awesome. When, when's Batman coming? Saturday. When's he going to come in your mailbox? Saturday. See? You didn't pick up on my YouTube. He's going to come in my can on Saturday. Hello. Hey, Rich Bottles. That sounds like something he <laughs> How awesome is it that Rich Bottles was the impetus? The incubus? <laughs> the impetus. Uh, I laid my seed. <laughs> we'll send them to Dan. Rich Bottles. Dean Simmons loves Rich Bottles Spe- Jr. Speaking of uh, silly kiss trivia for the... I, I was thinking about this on the way over because just as I was pulling into the driveway at the palatial estate of Dan... And Monica Foytek. Yes, the one above us. Right. Um, 
Yeah, that's I'm not touching that one. Um, <laughs> the one on top of us. I was listening to Hair Nation on the series, oh yeah on the Sirius XM, mm. and Reason to Live by Kiss came on. And what is the reason to live? Reason to I don't know. I don't think Paul ever. Do they it. answer that question? Everybody. I don't got, know, Gene. It, because it, we got a lot of money, Gene. I, oh my goodness! Everybody's got a reason to live, but it can't be your love. But I'm writing a song about it. Show up, play bass on it if you choose to. Whatever. Um, no, anyway. Spit blood at the crowd. Uh, yeah, spit blood at the crowd. Uh, set yourself on fire again, or whatever. <laughs> whatever it yeah, takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever. Whatever keeps the the printing press What's that uh, from two twenty, two twenty one. Whatever it takes. That's it. Yes, Mr. Mum. Ah, that's it's Mr. right. Mom. Martin Mull walking into the house, talking to Michael Keaton. Saying yes. <laughs> He's rewiring the place, and he says, you're going to do it all 220, and he says, 220, 221, whatever it takes. It's awesome. <laughs> Michael Keaton it's one of the greatest lines Michael ever. Michael Keaton is a very underrated actor. He's, Michael Keaton is a fantastic actor. You know, not to get off of, um, I'm going to go back to my little kiss story here, but yeah. Michael Keaton, he, when he plays Ray Nicolette in, he's in Get Shorty. Oh, yeah. He's a cameo, and he plays that character again, I believe, in Out of Sight. I'm pretty sure. Anyway. Yeah. And, and I can't remember if he's in Jackie Brown or not, but he, that's, he is in Jackie th- Brown. That, yes, that, yes, that, yes. The, the Ray Nicolette is. character is in several of those movies, uh, several of the Quentin I Tarantino slash Elmore Leonard movies. That may, I did not. And a couple of them are uncredited. That. He plays that so beautifully because yeah. Ray Nicolette is a jackass character. Yes. And, and Keaton does it in such a over the top yet understated kind of way, which is an in- incredible contradiction he's batman and he's one of the few people who could pull that off and he does it beautifully because there's that great scene where he's got the t-shirt on that says fbi and the the departed dennis farina who is the mother of jennifer lopez in out of sight looks at him and says hey uh ray uh you know you think you might want to because Ray's working undercover, but he's got <laughs> the right. FBI T-shirt on. And he's like, uh, hey, yeah. you think you might want to? <laughs> that's, that's good stuff. Anyway, and Keaton pulls it off like, yeah, what? Yeah, 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 what? Yeah, yeah, what's the problem? Yeah, it's good stuff. Anyway, so back to my inane kiss fact of the day. Do you know the answer to this question? When the four members of Kiss released their solo albums back in like 1978, only one of them went platinum. Do you know whose it was? It wouldn't have been Gene. Correct. It would uh, not have been. I think there was a. Number. Well, it wasn't Paul. Correct. It wasn't. It was neither of those two. Which it was is not really Peter. The, that, well, there you go. You, Who does that you, leave? You've nailed it, Dan. <laughs> Who does that leave? <laughs> you backed right into that one. It was Ace. It's yeah, right. Exactly right. Ace, Ace Freely's Ace, is the only one that went Ace platinum. Ace Freely's was the only one that went platinum. And I think that was really a big bone of contention after that. Um, his was the only one that sold over a million copies. Because he was like sober for that period of time. Well, I think it was because a lot of people are like, Ace was smart. He's the best musician in the band. And everybody <laughs> always correct. acknowledged that. Paul acknowledged that. P- Gene, they all When said, he wasn't fucking himself they, up. They've all said that. And that's actually, you know, from Paul's book, that's the biggest criticism of Ace. He said he pissed away all this talent. He was one of the most gifted musicians I ever worked with, but he fucked it up and he was more concerned with, you know, getting fucked up, playing poker, blah, 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 not showing up for gigs. He, he didn't put any time into his craft and Gene and Paul approached it like a business. And that was, that was their thing. Same thing with Peter. Peter spent all of his time doing drugs and didn't, didn't <laughs> pretty much didn't, didn't spend any time, you know, practicing drums anymore and didn't, didn't work on his craft. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. so I have to imagine that after all that, Ace was probably, I mean, if I were Ace, 
you know, I, I get, go out and get fucking stoned and ripped off your ass to I, celebrate. I, mean, I like to think that at the end of the day, you know, as we as we talked about earlier tonight, I like to still believe that if I made some money and had some success, I'd still be the same guy. But if I've got those two guys getting up in my face yeah. about how they're the band, I think I probably would be pretty <laughs> quick to get on the aggressive and say, fuck you, assholes. My yeah. album just sold fuck you. X no, amount fuck more you, than yours. Asshole. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, absolutely. Hey, I'm the only guy in this band who, when we put out our solo records, anybody gave a shit to buy. Yes. You know, I could see Ace doing that. Yeah. He doesn't remember that these days. <laughs> he had an album out, what, last year? Because as I noted- Didn't he know, put a new album out last year? Was Ace, it any good? A- Ace puts I heard it was out. great. Ace puts albums out every year. Again, I think I told you this. I, got, I have all the Kiss albums. I have all the Kiss solo albums. Thank you. When I was a kid. But last year, when I made the investment, for <laughs> lack of a better word- to get them on CD, I got Paul's and I got Aces. Aces is fantastic. What, Paul's what, what is was wrong with my album? Gene's album sucks. Gene's solo Would album you sucks. Like ass. To wish upon a star. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that the best song on Gene's album was a song called Radioactive. I remember and it was that. terrible. And wow. I think Diana Ross sang on get it. Sued. You know what Gene's album was? Gene's album was a solo album that he had, and then he had backing female vocals from everybody <laughs> he was fucking at the time. <laughs> Cher was on there. Diana yes. Ross was on there. Any you whore. Know, from, some boning you. Maybe you should right. come on the show. Uh, uh, any whore he picked up at Studio 54. <laughs> you, know, you know, listen to you me. You look like a great piece of ass. <laughs> Paul's got a crazy idea about writing a disco song. Now, here's the You're thing. a little bit portly. I, I like don't, that. I don't agree with it, but I'd like to take you back to the studio and give you a once around on the eight track. I if like you know the what chubby I'm girls. Right. Yeah. And that was, yeah. Christine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Don't go, don't go down that road. Someone wrote the song. It wasn't me. <laughs> you know, our dear friend, Tim Hilster. Yes. I, I will not mention... He, you won't mention him, I, but here we I, go. No, I'll mention him. Oh, okay. He wrote a song. <laughs> he wrote a verse of a song. It was a parody of Christine 16. Yes. About somebody with whom we used to work. And I will not mention that person's name, but it wasn't, you know, Chris, it wasn't, you, Chris, gr- you know, there's a ham It wasn't her. It wasn't Christine, but it kind of sounds like Christine and rhymes with 16. But this person was not 16. This person was more like 65. <laughs> So I think you can probably do the math and put it together. And he did the whole thing like when I saw you walking out of school that day, smell it, smelling like talcum powder. It was it was fantastic, hilarious. We shall not mention to about whom he wrote it, but I think you. Can Once we're it. off air, we'll confirm. That's right. That's right. And it was. Um, he used to sing it to I, me. I bet the same person who understood the ham sandwich reference would would probably know what we're talking I'm about. I'm not so sure that. Yeah, yeah. She she might. She if she doesn't, that. she can send you an email and you'll tell her. Yeah, it was um, it was funny. Tim used to make me laugh with that one. <laughs> it was sixty. Nice, uh, but uh, it was funny. It uh, was good shit. Let's hope that person doesn't listen to the show. I'm sure she doesn't. I'm positive she does not. <laughs> She's Tremendous like eating ham sandwiches. <laughs> That's it. Wrap it up. That's the hop to doodle. Wrap it up. You'll take it. I'll take it. I'm going to put this one in the car. Lick it up. Lick it up. All right. Good night. I'm glad you got a nine-inch show. Oh, fantastic. Great. Okay.